This is Postcards from Grafton. We're exploring the most fascinating people and places in our community and everything in between. I am your host, Fred Backstrom from the Grafton Midview Public Library. This podcast is made possible by the Grafton Village History Association. I had the chance recently to speak with Paul Justy about the history of the railroads in Grafton and how his interest and passion for this topic started at a young age. Um, He and, along with um, Chris Smith, authored a book, The Lost Quarry Industry of Indian Hollow and Willow Park, Grafton, Ohio, which is available here at the library if you're interested. And he is intimately familiar with the history of the railroads and why they were so important to Grafton. Uh, The railroad industry is the primary reason Grafton became a town. And if you'd like to know more, I think you'll really enjoy this discussion uh, a great deal. Our history matters. Our community matters. Enjoy the stories. Okay, so today uh, we are lucky enough to talk with uh, Paul Justy, and he's going to introduce himself right now. And we're going to talk about railroads. So, Paul? Introduce yourself a little bit. Hi, Fred. Uh, I am Paul. I am Paul Justy. I've been a lifelong resident of Grafton, um, sixty-two years old at this point, <laughs> hoping to make sixty-three. That'd be good. And uh, I've lived here all my life, and I grew up with the trains. I grew up in, within sight of the trains on Elm Street, mm-hmm. across from the Grafton Elementary School. And I've always been fascinated by them, watched them all my life, and have been fortunate enough to learn a little bit more about them. That's good. I mean, the, the rail has been the forming factor, I suppose, in the village of Grafton. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think you know quite a bit more than I do. So Grafton owes its very existence to the railroad. Mm. And because of the fact that when the railroads were laying out, um, the railroads had a, had a uh, system. They said they would put, they would put a, um, a railroad station in the biggest town that in Lorain County or in the uh, in the township hmm. that the railroad went through. Well, there wasn't any town. So a guy named Mar- a guy named Rawson said, Well, I'll build you a town if you put the station here. And so they agreed to it and the rest is and the rest and the rest came down and that's why the village of Grafton exists because most most towns are laid out at generally major intersections of, of state highways or US highways. They're usually at an intersection. True, true. Or a confluence of a river or something to that side. Well, Grafton's just in the middle of the road. Yeah, pretty much. So then when uh, when the sandstone industry, which is a whole other subject, the sandstone industry got, mm-hmm. uh, they had an outlet for to feed to feed product throughout the world so that so the one benefited from the other. Yeah, they kind of needed each other to function. Absolutely. And, and both grow at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah. And with that came... With that came industry, with that came business, with that came money, with that came prosperity to the village. Yeah. And all the people. And the people. Yeah. And the people. Yeah, it's, uh, I suppose it, it is the reason we exist. And it's completely the reason we exist, yeah. Sometimes the reasons yes. that, and it could have gone in other places. I mean, they it could have. Yeah. It could have. Yeah. It could have. Uh, towns like, towns like Rochester. Uh, you wouldn't think there's anything in Rochester. There was a station in Rochester, mm-hmm. so it was a it was a waypoint. It was just there was a station there. The, the railroad was was the lifeline of America back in yeah. in the 1800s and into the 1900s before before the freeways came. I mean, everything moved everything moved by rail. People, product. The roads weren't in very good shape back then. 
The, sure. inter the, yeah. interstate, the interstate system hadn't been built yet. It didn't get built until the fifth, 1950s. Yeah, that was post-war. So. And so if you traveled, you traveled by train. The airplane industry didn't come into effect really until the 60s, the 1960s, when it became affordable for Americans to fly. So mm -hmm. the train was the way you got around. Yeah, for a full cent century there. Correct. You know, more, sure. in essence. So. How did you get started personally in, in your interest as a kid? I got started personally just as uh, I the the rel the tower the tower that's in town that's one of the few that still exist and we can mm. talk about that in a little bit but the railroad tower itself um, I, I I went past it all the time growing up in town and the tower was always there and I had no idea of its of what it did in life it's just a building that had absolutely no people it seemed around it it wasn't like a railroad station where things would come and go out of it the tower just kind of was there. Mm -hmm. And one day, one day I just decided to go wander up the stairs of the railroad tower and find and, and ask the guy, what do you do? Oh, okay. Luckily, luckily, the guy, the first guy, his name was John Newman. And he was a he was a three to eleven operator. They called him tricks back then, you know, three to eleven trick. Mm -hmm. And it's like shifts. So they don't they didn't say it's a shift, they said they called him tricks. And so he was a three to eleven guy. And he says, well, this is what we do up here. We, uh, we keep trains from crashing into each other. And we, if we're, like a big, we're like a traffic cop up here. You've got, you've got the, the B&O, the single track from Leicester up to Lorraine. He says, and they carry, they carry coal and coke. And not coal and coke, but coal and, coal and iron ore, taconite. And, and, some, and they were still doing freight back then. And then you've got what was the, called the big four with the railroads kept changing names throughout the race. So most people refer to, if, if you talk to railroad people, they tend to refer things in the old school terms oh, okay, yeah. because now it's pretty much two railroads. And so in order to talk to somebody that, that to get a kind of a significance of where, where you're talking and what geographical area, they'll refer to it in its original terms. So this is the big four. Makes sense. Gives you the context so you understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just, I guess I just got to talking to him and he was nice enough to let me up there. That's pretty cool. I mean, I'm surprised they, he said, he said, yeah. And he just, you know, it's, it's one guy, it's one guy in the tower and he runs trains. He keeps mm. trains running and there was a set of levers up there with, uh, with, and you make, uh, there's two tracks and a set of crossovers so you can move from one track to the other track. And of course you keep the grade, you kept the crossing with the other line at grade, you, you kept it safe and there was signals and stuff. And there was a guy up there that operated the signals and, and made for safe train movements. And anywhere you had one of those, one of those connections like that, you generally had a tower. And, uh, and those guys were up there 24 seven, one guy per shift. And, uh, that's what he did all day. And when he wasn't running trains, there wasn't much to do. They read a lot of books and, and probably sharpened knives and, you know, cleaned guns and things. I mean, that's all they did. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it just uh, depends on the traffic. Obviously. It depends. When yeah. it was busy up there, it was real busy, yeah. and otherwise it was dead. And uh, anyway, so that was my that was my my start of my involvement with learning with learning about trains. Hmm. It's it's one thing to just watch them go by and go, yeah, it's a nice train going by. It's another thing to know where they're going and where they're from. And and through that, I guess I developed more of a more of a, a an appreciation as sure. to where where things were going and what you know and how things move yeah better understanding of how everything happens yes why it happens and why it happens yeah, yeah. exactly 
Well, we had the tower, but there were used to be. I mean, we had stations. We had like stations. Yeah. Buildings over there at mm-hmm. one time. There was uh, the B and O. The B and O actually had a station where the um, if you come into town, there's a, there's the B and O freight station. The B and O freight station is now occupied by maintenance away guys. They're the guys that take care of the tracks. They take care of the signals. They take oh. care of, and they, they're kind of it's kind of a little a storehouse for them. They keep supplies there. But there used to be a passenger station. Yeah, right. Real close. To, um, in that same, almost right next to the freight station, there was a passenger station. B and O actually ran a, ran a passenger train up to Lorraine. And in 1913 or so, that station was closed, and that was the last passenger train on the B&L. But um, mm-hmm. that station's gone. Most of them just deteriorated. Most of them got tore down. The one in Grafton that was down just to the, I guess it would be to the east of the tower, um, that one got wiped out in a tornado, not in a tornado, but a derailment in 1965, 66-ish. Oh, really? One of those there derailments? Was, right. And that train was headed east. And the stories that I have heard from um, a couple of guys, that, it was a guy that actually observed the thing just, just about coming apart. He says when he looked at the train going over the diamond, that's where the crossing is, they call mm-hmm. that a diamond. Um, he said he was noticed that one of the wheels wasn't there under the car. Hmm. And it kind of, and the thing, the thing kind of floated across the crossing. And he says, and after that, the thing dropped and as everything, everything went, went haywire and it dumped about 13 cars and it just missed what's the lot, what is the laundromat building? It just missed that. There was cars mm. inches away from the laundromat. I think I seen, we have pictures of and those. You have pictures yeah, of that the database. Yeah. Because yeah. that was, that was, and that was, that was the one, the one that, Wiped out the, That's, the remnants that, of the station. That one wiped out the station. Yeah. Oh. That, oh, that was, was the one that was left of the station, yeah. That was there for a long time then after they stopped using it. When them. I was a kid, I remember the station briefly when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, like I said, 65 was like five years old, so yeah. I didn't I didn't hang out the tracks much. <laughs> no, no, probably not at that age. Yeah. At one time, I, I remember hanging out with a, uh, with a childhood friend of mine, and we were sitting on, we were sitting over by the tracks somewhere on a, on a platform they used to... Uh, to drop stuff on that creosote got on my pants from the from the, from the railroad ties. When I got home, my mom asked where the creosote came from. Because oh. it's this, you, it's, it has a significant smell to it. Mm-hmm. It smells like pine, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's and it, it's like greasy stuff. And my mom says, "Where have you been?" And I said, "Well," <laughs> she said, "Don't you dare go over by the tracks anymore, because <laughs> you're gonna get you know, you know, mothers always like that. Yeah, that's mothers, true. mothers think you're gonna get killed by something." Yeah, and uh, watch out for the trains. I yeah, suppose. so I didn't go by the, down by the tracks too often after that for a while. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. I mean, there's because there's been accidents. There has been crossing. There have been. I mean, there have been people die at that crossing. Yeah. There have been cars hit at that crossing. There was at least one car hit at that crossing. And uh, there was a gentleman. There was a gentleman when my, when my wife and I were on the fire department. Got mm-hmm. he got hit by the train. He actually walked into the train. Oh, it was mo- moving in front of him, or it was moving in front of him. I didn't notice. Uh, the story goes something about he was, him and his friend were going to meet at the, at the local bar Mm. and the other guy was driving and he decided to walk across the crossing and he was waiting for the train to go by. And he simply, he, he actually walked into the last car of the train and, uh, his, his, his fate was sealed about that time. Yeah. That doesn't usually, that sadly did not end well. No, that doesn't go well. But the fire department. The fire department basically kept him alive until the helicopter came. Mm. The helicopter came, took him to Metro, and he uh, he expired at Metro. So, yeah. But there have been there have been people get 
That's a dang, it's dangerous. Crossings it are yeah. dangerous. Even, yeah. even, can't be. even with all the safety features right. they put in, it's yeah. still... And he was not actually at the crossing. He was probably three car lengths oh, he was off away right. from the... He wasn't mm-hmm. actually at the road. Oh, really? He was actually probably 100 feet hmm. before the roadway, the actual road crossing. So he was actually in the gra- he was actually on the roadbed. He wasn't actually at the crossing, so the crossing hmm. was not a significant factor. Hmm. He just misjudged. And he just he just walked in the last. Guy. He just didn't make just the missed it. The bar, the bar that used to stand it. We all used to call it the Jugheads. When I was growing up, it was called Jugheads. It was, it was grafted in, and it was mm-hmm. commonly called Jugheads ever since I was a kid. I do not know why. Um, they actually had video cameras that captured okay. part of the incident. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, it's anyway. Know, lots um, of things happen. Well, there's been plenty of other derailments, though. I've seen pictures of over the. There years. was there was a derailment where a car got a, a van train. Those are the ones that carry the uh, the trailers on on the cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe one of the cars was leaning over to the side, and the on, and the train sideswiped each other. Oh, and they were going. To- and mm-hmm. the next thing you know, that I guess the car was loaded with tennis shoes. Huh. And and the car split and the, the trailer split open and there was tennis shoes scattered on the curve from the river down to the curve and I guess there was then Nike tennis shoes for the taking, and oh, so everybody was <laughs> so everybody was going down there and taking tennis shoes. I mean that because that would be that's a long way. <laughs> yeah, but that was a, yeah that was one of the other derailments. Um, uh, let's see. Um, there was some way back when I think I've seen some pictures from like the twenties. Yes. Uh, that one, that one, I believe the story goes with that one. There was, uh, the train was carrying Christmas hams, I guess, huh. or one of the cars that, that went on the ground. And I've yet to find a lot of information about other than I know what happened. And the story that I was told about that one by, uh, by a gentleman named Joe Filippiak, who's another resident of Grafton, oh. a lifelong, you know. Oh yeah. We've spoken with Joe. And you've spoken with oh, Joe. Yeah. Joe's a good, Joe's a character. Oh yeah. He knows and, his stuff. And uh, he tells a story. He says, look, the Christmas hams, he said, everybody was walking through what, what appeared to be water uh, for the Christmas hams. And there was a big, big puddle they were all walking Ooh. through. Turned out the puddle was not water. It was, it was, it was acid. It was leaking out of one of the cars. Oh really? And so there were the, the shoes were, the people's shoes were literally melting off of them. So something to do to get a ham. I yeah. Suppose, but. I remember my folks, my folks used to live, my folks used to live, and the house is still there. There's a house mm. on Erie Street, and it's a couple doors down from, from Main Street. And my mother used to put, mm. my mother used to put laundry out. And she put the laundry out, the steam engine would come by and, and, and soot up the whole yard, you know, from the smoke, <laughs> and get the laundry all messed up. But they would, uh, during the Depression, times were tough. Sure. And they'd go along the tracks and pick up, pick up chunks of coal that had fallen off the cars. For their, for their home use. For, yeah, just to, because times were tough back then. I mean, you had to do what you had to do with that. Yeah. So it was just a matter of, I guess, you know, I, 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 I guess the depression was just a matter of survival times. For most, a lot of people, sure, yeah. sure seemed to be, yeah. Because I've heard that some of those stories about people picking up leftover coal on the, on the side of tracks before. Not just here, but all over. All over. Yeah, all over, yeah. Common. So. Well, that, because that would have been... That would have been one of the. What's what was that line that goes through right there? They, the single line. Right now, they, it's it's referred to the, as the CL and W, the Cleveland, Lorraine, and Wheeling, uh, and even and it's part of CSX now. Yeah. Um, but it went CL and W, B and O, chassis system, and now CSX. The, um, and uh, at one time it went all the way down to Bridgeport, West Virginia. Oh, that far. Yes. And it's hmm. been it's been cut off since. Um, 
because of all the you know because of railroad mergers you know and things like that the the tracks now stop around Sterling, oh, but the, okay. the the seal in if in the in the timetables every railroad has what they call a timetable and it lists milepost markers and significant um, sightings and signals and speed restrictions through certain areas depending on you know what might be there and certain load limitations and things like that well in that timetable the the line from from and there's a line there's a branch from uh, Lester Junction, down in Dinah County. Mm-hmm. Then there's stations still there. Oh yeah, right. um, the crews use it as a as a crew ch- as a as a crew point and a gathering place. And the maintenance again, the maintenance way workers work out of there. Um, the Cle- there's a what they call a Cleveland branch branch and a Lorraine branch. And the Cleveland branch goes up to Parma Chevy and into downtown Flats in the Cleveland. Oh, okay. that's the Cleveland branch. The Lorraine branch goes up through Grafton through Elyria. Um, and ends up at, uh, it used to end up at the docks in Lorraine underneath the Bascule Bridge. Oh, okay, yeah. Where the ore dock yeah. was, and before the ore dock was there, there was a coal dock there. Mm-hmm. And that's, and they used to pull out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of loads of coal. Yeah, right through here then. And that. it would get loaded onto ship, it would get loaded onto, uh, onto ships, and then off to Cleveland it would go, or, or other places, mm-hmm. because there was a huge coal dock down there. And, uh. But that's the and then the timetable still refers to that branch as a CL and W subdivision. So they even the railroads keep the old names. Yeah, I suppose they'd have to to yes. some degree, even for just organization. But I know that one doesn't see a lot of traffic any longer. It does not. In fact, I got stopped by the train coming in here this morning. Oh, really? The a <laughs> few things he does is he works the that train works the the grain elevator in Grafton. I hit that this morning. Uh-huh. I saw the engine get yes. pulled away as I was yep. coming up. He works the grain <laughs> elevator in Grafton. That most of that is all stuff product that comes in from Lorraine County and the surrounding area. Mm. Gets dumped into the silos, um, tractor wagon, and the or and then it gets offloaded, and it gets loaded. Most of that stuff gets loaded into the railroad cars, or it gets loaded onto the containers for the trucks, and most of that goes out to the port of Baltimore for export use. Oh, from here all, all the way to there. Mm-hmm. Most of that goes out there. Yeah. But it's one of the few. It's one of the few grain elevators still around here. The other, I think, oh, the closest yeah. one is out. There's there's Sunrise Seeds out in out towards uh, uh, Sunrise is out towards like Sullivan. It's way yeah, there's, out there. There's a huge there's a huge terminal in Mansfield. Oh, that that there's a huge. And one but if you're on a tractor doing twenty mile an hour, that's a long way to go. Yeah, that's not close to here. <laughs> no. Not at all, no. Yeah, the local farmers, yeah. No, so, they have to come yeah. somewhere close by. And uh, But the, you know, the rail industry is why we have all those other... It's why we have all that. Sure. Yeah. Well, because it was part of the the, the quarry, too. The, the quarry, rail was, yes. They ran that line out there, didn't they? The quarries, yes. Um, it's gone now, but... That siding, there was a siding that came... In fact, it's a Metro Park, it's a Metro Park walking trail now. It's the dog, it's what everybody calls a dog trail. And it starts behind the bowling alley. The back when the quarries were working, the quarries were working from about 1840 or so up to about 19, 19 the teens. I mean, nineteen twenty one was like the, the last hurrah for the quarries. But there was a siding that they would that they would set cars on. They would pull stone out of the quarries. But that that tra, what is now the trail that siding started right behind the bowling alley and across from my check please restaurant what's currently check please restaurant mm-hmm. and behind well even the bowling alley's gone see i talk in yeah, terms that's true i talk in terms of buildings that aren't there yeah. anymore so that's how i refer to that area too actually, yeah the bowling yeah. alley it's where the bowling alley used to be <laughs> where that giant parking lot is at the yeah. moment yeah but where the uh, where the metro park parking yeah. lot is and you walk that trail you pick up that gravel path and that gravel path 
is the old siding. That was the siding. That's going the siding. Up. Okay. And it goes into into the met, into the metro park, and eventually it it, uh, it winds its way in, in uh, up to the river. Mm -hmm. And there, at one time, there was a bridge that went across the river there, and most of the stuff was actually on the other side of the river. But that's oh, on the other side, on the other side oh, of the river. Okay. And uh, there's some there's some finds that are still back there. Some of the quarries are still back there. Mm -hmm. Some of the um, the workings from there's there's uh, big pieces of rock with giant bolts and stuff left over over there, but that's a Metro Park walk, so another good place to hike. True enough, yeah. Of course, you know all about the quarries, too, but that's another conversation. That's a whole, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's a whole other yeah, topic. That's a, I mean, we have your book. It's right behind you, in fact, you and Chris. And... <laughs> Cha-ching! Oh, yeah. So It's a popular book. Good. Everybody, good. Should, everybody should check that out, Everybody by the should way. check that out. Oh, yeah. Yes. It is good. I gave it to somebody a couple days ago. I'm okay. sure you were looking for it. Um, so... I also wanted to ask about, because there's a railroad history group there is. that's kind of existed for a long time. I don't know if you could talk about that a little it's, bit. And you talk about a, you talk about a loose organization. <laughs> uh, um, the, the local railroad history group was pretty much brought together by Joe Filipiak. Hmm. And at the time, we had, uh, we had Mayor Sherry Kerner. Mm -hmm. um, Sherry Spansky, Sherry Kerner, however you want to refer to her, but... Uh, you refer to it as, 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 as Sherry Kerner. Back then, she was the mayor, and she was a railroad nut. I mean, she was a... Oh, she was. She loved history, and oh. she loved the railroads. And Joe Filippiak got the, got the idea, and he had some connections with, 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 uh, with the CSX people back then. He had some connections, and he wanted to get a, he wanted to get a caboose. He wanted, oh, to, get, sure, he caboose. wanted to get a piece of rolling stock. Yeah. And so he ended up getting retired, a retired caboose, because at that time, um, mid-80s or so is when cabooses stopped functioning on trains. And they found no use for them, so the railroads had all of these cabooses laying around, mm. and uh, they'd be more than happy to sell them at a very nominal cost just to get them off the property and get them off their books because yeah. anything that they have is, is hard assets, which they have to pay taxes on, of course. Sure, of course. And so the railroads are more than happy to give away cabooses or sell them at very little. The problem with most of getting that stuff mm -hmm. is the transportation cost because if you can't transport it by rail, then you have to transport it by truck. Oh, and sure. uh, it's it's amazing what it, it's amazing what equipment actually weighs when you when you get down to transporting it by, by rail. Anyway, we were lucky in the fact that we still had a viable rail line at the time. And so, and, and the thing was still certified enough, uh, the, the, uh, the axles, the bearings and all that stuff, and the airlines and all that stuff, it was still safe enough that it could be transported by, by train. By, by the train, yeah. And so we saved uh, a good piece of money that way. So hmm. um, when you're dealing with the railroad though, it seems that um, when Joe was trying to contact people, yeah, I know the guy who knows the guy, but that's the guy that's on vacation this week. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so, call back next week. And uh, I think in the years we were still we were still weren't up to email and things like that yet. So no, not uh, that time. Uh, again, you're talking you know the, you know the history aspect and a lot of phone calls and a lot of letter writing. Anyway, um, fast forward, we got this we got this caboose, and that was uh, Joe Filippiak and Mayor Kerner. And I had a little bit involved with it, and there was a lady named Laurel Files and a guy mm -hmm. named uh, uh, um, uh, Brian Haas, and uh, a couple other people, and uh, even the guy from even the guy from Larson Foundry that that, that ran Larson Foundry oh, really? at the time, he had some involvement with that, and mm -hmm. and he was again he was a rail guy, and it's all it's all this it's all this affection for the railroad and the and the railroad history in town. 
that these people came together and we ended up with a caboose. And so we ended up with the caboose. We parked it on that, that where the caboose is, is parked is actually a connection. It was a connection track between the B&O, CO&W, and if you go across Main Street, across Center Street, there was a, there was a, a small yard back then. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up as a kid, there was a train that worked the, the, worked the railroad siding back there, and that was a, a Penn Central train. Conrail, you know, Conrail, see, it's that, you know, it's, I mean, again, we're talking, you know, whatever, you know, name a railroad and that yard back there. Well, after about three derailments, cause they didn't, they didn't fix the yard very much. And after they, they would bring actually, instead they would bring the grain cars, I'm bouncing around. Oh, they would bring, they would bring the grain cars. CS, B&O would pick up the, the cars out of the grain elevator. Mm-hmm. They would drag them across main street and across there and, drop them in that yard back there. Mm-hmm. And then Penn Central would pick them up and take them out and take them out back on Penn Central's trackage. Sure, yeah. One railroad can't work the other railroads properly. No, they have to switch. And yeah. so that yard was, and so instead of parking, now they park, whenever they fill these cars up, if they have more than the, 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 the elevator can handle, they park them along those tracks we were talking about up between where the plant by check please and up towards the river um on csx's property there's a big siding back there oh back in there's there. a long siding now now that's where they park them okay but at the time they were they were moving them across the road anyway mm-hmm. those tracks became abandoned that whole yard that whole yard track became abandoned and they cut out the track that went across that went across center street and the track that went across main street and the driveway that runs up by the water tower, the new water tower, that mm-hmm. was part of that same trackage. Oh, okay. That was part of that same trackage back then. So what was interesting is at one time, and I can't remember the, the actual dates, it must have been in the 90s, in the 1990s, uh, CSX wanted to get some of the traffic off of, they wanted to get some of the traffic off of the old Big Four and they wanted to divert it to go from, from their trackage onto the big four trackage. And they wanted to reestablish that. Oh, that. They wanted to reestablish that trackage because that it, was all tore, it was all tore out and abandoned. I mean, the yeah. CSX still owned the property. Oh, except <laughs> for that one little section that we have the caboose sitting on. They sold that to the village Uh-oh. to park the caboose <laughs> on. And they said, well, we're just going to put the track back down. And the village said, no, you can't. Because had they been able to do that, there is a section between um, between that trackage and the modern crossing that would literally be locked off if you had two trains at the same time on yeah. that same and something bad happens. Yeah, and there's that's there is no way there is, and it's it's officially sealed off. Well, the village didn't like that that aspect yeah. for for safety reasons. And the fact that the the uh, that CSX actually sold the village that little chunk of that little forty foot chunk of property <laughs> for the caboose to sit on, uh, CSX got they they learned a lesson and shot themselves in the foot because now we move on to when CSX wanted to get rid of the railroad tower, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so when the village approached CSX about buying a piece of property to set the railroad tower on CSX, I, I ain't gonna do that again to us. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the starting point for well, that leads that leads me into the railroad tower actually, which is right. 
Like, because uh, I know that was a huge project for many years to try to that, preserve and yes. move and, and you know, make sure we had it still. That same group of people, that same group of, of core people, and, and, and you know, people talk about these these committees and these uh, these, these historical groups. So the historical group consists of about half a dozen people. The same that same half a dozen people in town, and when when the when it was deemed that the tower was unusable by the railroad, the railroad just wanted to tear it down. Yeah, and the village, of course, found the tower to be of, of a historical significance, and they wanted to preserve it. Mm-hmm. And the the railroad basically said. They, they, they put a big fence around it, and they says, okay, it's going to sit here until we decide what to do with it. And at one time, they said, no, nope, it's, it's, it's got to come down because we want to, uh, because it's, because there's two tracks, there's two tracks on the big four main line. And the, in the 80s, when the economy was really bad, uh, Conrail, as a cost-cutting measure, Conrail took out the one track, it, it was completely removed. All the way from Berea, all the way down to Galleon, hmm. they removed one of the tracks. So it essentially was a single track line. Oh, really? When, when Conrail was split up, when Conrail was split up between Norfolk Southern and CSX, they wanted CSX, it was a term of the, as a term of the purchase, we are gonna reinstate that second track. However, due to train sizes and and the way the way the rails are laid out and everything we want to put the double track back in but we want to we want to increase the space between the tracks sure. and what's what we call the devil strip the devil strip is the is the space between the tr- between the between two the tracks track. it's a centerpiece it's that it's that no man's land called the devil strip so when they did that now the tower became way too close mm-hmm. to that track and so they said let's got to go and so the village negotiated with CSX to to move to actually move the tower, and during that during the negotiations, it was like, okay, okay, we're going to move the tower, we're going to buy the tower for a dollar. Okay, great, um, have fun. Well, right about that time was when all the real estate transactions got put on hold because CSX was trying to buy all the buy up their part of the assets from Conrail. Their their real estate people were working like mad. And moving up, you know, getting up and getting a, a, a railroad tower is pretty insignificant in this in the grand scheme of things. So that got put on hold. In the meantime, in the meantime, the tower kind of got it just it would just it just start deteriorating. The sure. roof the roof started deteriorating. The roof started leaking, and and so now we're now we're faced with another dilemma. Okay, now what do we do? We need we need the tower needs a roof. Talk to CSX because it's again they still they still technically owned it, and CSX says well. We're not going to let you up. We're not going to let you up there unless you pay us. Unless you get a, a roofer that that has a million dollar insurance policy, and and it's a shingle roof. Well, most 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 residential shingle people don't have that kind of money for insurance. Most commercial roofers work on flat roofs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we ended up throwing a couple tarps over the. We were up, we were able to, they, they allowed us to throw a couple of tarps on the roof and try to secure the roof to, uh, out of the weather as best we could. Mm. Well, finally, finally they decided on a home for the tower, and the way they took the tower down, the tower, if you ever look at it, yeah, the tower is actually, the tower is actually elevated on railroad rail. Oh. And some of the railroad rails still have the engravings of 18, I found one, this is 1878, the rails that it sits on, it sits really? on stilts, yeah. And uh, if you go over there, 
now you can you can actually find those those most most rail is dated it's usually it's it's in, it's embedded in the casting oh really when it's when it's when it's formed yeah it's hmm. rolled on it's like a it's almost like a serial number it's just part, anyway, yeah it's part of the rail it's yeah. it's part of the the, the 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 roll anyway um so what they did is they they brought a house mover in and i believe it was novotny brothers and novotny came in and they they jacked, they, they, they lifted, they roughed the tower as is, and they put a whole bunch of cribbing underneath the tower to get it to sit on the cribbing. And then they cut, and we marked all that, we marked all of the rails because we wanted to put it back exactly why it, the way it was, mm-hmm. in the same orientation as it was. So then they, boom. <laughs> so then they would, uh, so then they, they, they removed the rails, so now it's sitting on the cribbing. Mm-hmm. Well, now what you have to do is you have to jack the tower up ever so, you know, ever so much, pull one layer of cribbing away. Drop the tower to the next layer of cribbing. Jack it up, pull that cribbing down. Eventually, the tower sat on the ground. Eventually. Oh, they, that's how they did they that. They removed it, yeah. And eventually, the tower sat. It was literally on the ground. It was just sat on the ground. Hmm. And so then what they did is they put it on a couple of big, uh, big, big beams, and they soaked, they soaked the beams, and then they drug it, they drug it along the beams. And um, hmm. there was actually a... It was a bagpiper that helped move the tower. I mean, every time, it's, I guess it's a it's a it's a good luck thing. Ah, so so you have the bagpiper playing when they're moving the tower. When the tower would stop, the bagpiper would stop playing. So then, so then when the tower started moving again, they got the thing all re-soaped with ivory soap again, mm-hmm. and they moved the tower. Well, then once we got the tower moved to its its new hope, well then they had to reverse the whole process and jack the tower back up. And we put the rail back underneath of it, and it was quite the, quite the effort. And I don't know if Novotny would ever do it again, but that's, <laughs> I mean, I I knew that was a process, but I didn't but know that part of it. That's fascinating. That, yeah. that whole that whole process wow. took about twenty years. Yeah, it was about a twenty year process. It started in the eighties, and I don't think we got the tower actually back up in the air again until over two at two thousand year two thousand. We finally got the mm-hmm. tower back in the air, and and since then we've used the tower as a learning tool, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a it's 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 neat to show. And I get personally involved in the railroad tower. You know, mm-hmm. number one from hanging out up there as the as a kid, sure, sure. and learning my way of what what happened up there. I can pass that knowledge along to to other people. Um, I'm probably one of the few people in in town who actually knows what went on up there. I mean, there's yeah, probably not I mean, many at this. The point. People, the people that worked up there, most of them are all gone. Uh, not because yeah. Mirzak was one of them. He lived in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the other gentlemen have gone. Uh, the guy, the, the second guy, I started hanging out with. Uh, he lives down. At one time, he lived down in the southern part of the state, mm. and his name was Harold Beagle, and he was the one I hung out with a lot up there. Mm. Uh, John Newman ended up moving on to a different to a different facility, but then I started. I did the whole process again. I went back upstairs. I went back up to the tower, thinking John Newman was up there, and here's this other guy up there. And I go, "Uh oh!" He goes, "What are you doing up here?" And I go, "Well, where's John Newman?" He goes, "He's gone." Who who are you? What's going on here? Who are you? I go, "Well, I used to hang out with him up here." Oh, okay. He says, "Well, okay, hang out. You you can hang out with me too." So you know, I got to be good friends with with uh, with Harold, and. uh, so anyway, that's that's the that's the story of the tower, but and it continues to evolve today. Mm. Uh, the most the most recent the most recent significant thing that happened at the railroad tower is was purely by chance, and I happened to be watching an episode of American Pickers. Oh yeah, TV yeah, show, true, yeah. TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, in the episode of American Pickers, um, the one gentleman is. The one gentleman is at somebody's house that was a railroad demolition. 
had a real he had a demolition company and he specialized in railroad stuff. Mm. And so the whole thing of the show revolved around railroad his, his, historical things. And what had happened is the gentleman who ran the company he passed away, and his wife acquired all of his stuff. And she was wanting to liquidate some of it. Well, in the background, in one of the shots, happened to be what we call the model board for the tower. And the model board is a small schematic version of what the tower, of what the tower's functions did. And it's it's a board that has uh, the, all of the levers, all the levers up in the tower are numbered, and the numbers correspond to what the levers do. Well, the model board has the numbers of the levers to give you a visual as to what things, how things work. Well, but the model board was missing when we moved, when we moved the tower, a lot of stuff got pulled out of the tower. It just, it just disappeared. It just went away. There was, um, there was, there was a big giant gong up there when one of the trains would, would activate, would get on a certain point in the tracks, they'd activate a circuit that, that, that told the tower ripper that they were out there. Because uh, it wasn't visual, it was it was, it, and then he lit up, you know, he lit up a, a light on the board, and there was some other things up there. There was a sign, there was a sign on both ends of the tower. One, it's a Grafton, and those disappeared. There was a lot of things that disappeared out of the mm-hmm. tower when, when by the time it got abandoned, actually abandoned. Well, I tried to contact, I tried to contact the person with the model board. And just from the episode of Pickers, and I found mm-hmm. out what their name was, and I found I kind of found I tried to find them. I found them on Facebook, believe it or not, but mm-hmm. I didn't. They never contacted me back. Anyway, um, a little bit later, this was a been October of like a year ago. Seems like October about a year ago, maybe, uh, maybe two years now. I'm now I get my dates. <laughs> and, you know, I'm getting old. Can't remember <laughs> dates anymore. Anyway, found out that the uh, this model board went up for auction, and it had been sold at auction. So I had, you know, that's okay. Well, I guess that's the end of that story. And come to find out, another friend of mine was—he's into online auctions, and he was poking around. Hmm. And uh, his name was—his name was uh, Dan Davidson. And Dan Davidson sent me a link that said, "Hey, the model board's back up at yet another auction." Hmm. And so I contacted—he's—he's—he's uh, he's, he's one of our councilmen. His name is Matt Duclas. and hmm. Matt Duclas is also on this—he's on—he's on this train history thing he's also he's yeah. also he's also a history net he's also love trains and he's an online auction guy well he ended up he ended up we ended up uh, we got the, we got the model board we got the model board at auction and now it's back in the tower it's back where it belongs so whenever we have whenever we have the tower open and we do open it up on occasion we open it up for old-fashioned christmas and oh, we sure. open it up for uh certain other times and sometimes other times we'll just be up there i just go up there and hang out once in a while mm-hmm. and uh so if you're ever, if you're ever up there, I'll show you around the model board. And I'll show you the model board and I'll show you the other stuff. I mean, it's a cool thing to see. Yeah, but it's a good. Like I said, it's, it's a teaching tool. And the yes. fact, and I think the best thing about it now, because of the fact that the tower is away from the crossing, the safety the safety issues are not as significant as they are if you're absolutely three feet away from the tracks. It was right there. And it's right there. It was and that's right there. Yes, for all those years. Yeah, for all those years, and that's where it is supposed to be. But mm-hmm. it it. You can't have little kids running around and no. going up and down the stairs when the trains are four feet away from you. It just, no. it just, it's just not safe. So it's actually a good thing that it got moved. Yeah. Well, it becomes a great like historical site. And, yes. And like you said, yes. a teaching tool for right. for anybody who wants to learn. Right. And we have enough pictures and stuff to show where it where it laid in the 
you know, where it actually was. You know, we have enough pictures that did you get an idea of what it actually looked like back then? And it's, it's, you know, um, architecturally and, 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 um, structure, it's still pretty much the way it looked back then. Yeah. I mean, it looks just like those pictures. Yeah. Because I know that you did a restoration project on it too. Right? Was, we've, we've raised money there. That group has raised money. We actually sold, um, part of the, part of the cost of moving the tower, uh, the village, the village was all behind the idea, but they, they didn't have a lot of money to spare to help move the tower because Novotny wasn't going to do it for nothing. And the the lease on the property is, is also pretty pretty insignificant in as far as dollars and cents goes. But mm-hmm. to move the tower, what we did is we came up with, a, with, with an idea of selling birdhouses in the shape of the tower. Huh. And we had the prisoners at Grafton Correctional oh, actually sure. build them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they build a lot of stuff. And we actually. build a lot. Yeah, they build a lot of things out there for uh, you know rehabilitation purposes mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But we were selling tower birdhouse. I think I still have one. <laughs> uh, but we were selling that sort of thing. We were doing all kinds of fundraisers. We we're doing that sort of thing, and we we're and we we're still collecting funds. We're still collecting funds. You know, once in a while to to help with the with the tower. It's been painted. I think it's been painted twice. Mm. Um, it was painted once on the ground, and then it was painted once when it was elevated, and by another railroad guy. And his name was Dave Bonk. And Dave Bonk painted the tower. He did power washing and painting for a living. So um, professional. So he was a professional. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, he charged money for it, but a little bit <laughs> significant, a little bit of a discount, but he still charged for it. And so we had to pay him. So we we've gotten donations yeah. over the years for the tower. And and it's it's out of the out of all the towers that probably were between say here and uh let's say here in Columbus or here in the in, in Cincinnati. Of all the railroad towers that existed, and there was probably over a dozen of them, there might be two still standing. I was gonna say I've <clears throat> excuse me, I've never seen another one. Yeah, Mar- there's a, there's still a tower at Marion. Oh, there is. That okay. one is now a also also like a historic site. It's run by a group of volunteers. The one at Marion, and that's on the uh, on the Big Four and the Erie Lackawanna crossing, mm. and that one. That one is still in existence. That one, they've actually gotten to the point where they can reproduce the levers working with the model board and actually light up. Oh, can actually light up the model board and and like like simulate a train going through, which is which is really cool. Oh, that's great. They can actually do that and kind of pretend pretend play trains up there, and it's really neat to see it in action. Simulate the whole thing. They can simulate an entire movement across the planet. It's it's. I don't know how they did it, and they got some really smart guys up there. Um, Fancy electronics involved in that somewhere. I would imagine so. (laughs) Uh, Berea Tower is still standing. It's a brick structure, and Berea is in the, right in the middle of a railroad complex, so it's 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 not open to the public, but it's still standing. Oh, that one's still there. Huh? Berea's still standing. I've been through Berea. I don't think I've ever actually seen it though. Yeah. So uh, you can see it if you go over the new overpass that they built oh. over Front Street. That explains why I've never seen it because I don't think I've ever driven. And if you ever eat at the if you ever eat at the old Puffer Belly, you can still see the you can still see the tower and watch the trains go by. Yeah, so the puffer true. belly's still open, but it's not called the puffer belly; it's called something else yeah, now. Something else but it's but I've eaten there, and it's good stuff. Yeah, that's good. And, and you can watch trains. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, Shelby Tower's gone. Crestline is gone. Um, uh, there was a tower. There was a tower on the CSX called Nova Towers, right at the right at five eleven, at the crossing. That's mm-hmm. gone. That one just kind of fell apart, and they finally knocked it down. Thankfully. Um, mercil- mercifully, I guess, because it was just—it was just such an abandoned state; it was almost going to fall down on its own. Because um, at some point, Shelby's they, gone. I mean, most most of them around here are just—they're gone. Well, they didn't. I assume they—they they just didn't need them the same way anymore. They didn't all, need them, and they didn't save them. Yeah. No, they didn't. 
They're, it wasn't worth the money, yeah. probably, to the. They were trying to company. save. There was another group in yeah. uh, Crestline that was trying to. There used to be a roundhouse in Crestline. There was a railroad. Oh, really? There was a repair facility at Crestline. And Crestline was where uh, Big Four, same trackage, and the Pennsylvania Railroad had a. They had a crossing, and there was a, there was a tower there, and they had a roundhouse turntable, the whole mm-hmm. you know brick structure that you look mm-hmm. at pictures, and that's you know you think of a roundhouse. By God, they had one, okay. and it sat abandoned for the longest time too. And then a historical group tried to save it, and they were not successful. And I believe it's all gone now. It's just an empty space. It's hard to save those things. It, it costs tons it costs of money. It costs a lot of money. It's like an abandoned house. I mean, yeah. if if it's not lived in and it's not doing anything. Um, nature takes its course and, uh, you know, and it, and it takes deep pockets to just, mm-hmm. to just keep the thing watertight and, and keep the creatures out of it. Um, on a whole different subject, um, Carly Mahajan is, is rehabbing the old school. elementary school mm-hmm. on Elm Street mm-hmm. and she's finding all this out. Oh yeah. Um, I think she bought the building from the board of education for like a dollar, but mm-hmm. I don't know how much, I don't know how much she's got deep pockets. Yeah. And it takes a lot to put a roof on and keep a roof on it. She put she put a new heating plant in and she mm-hmm. put a new air conditioning in and she's um tried to keep the floors from from popping and and the and the, and the tiles and the you know weather weather and, and time and time and everything just takes its toll on everything. Yeah, and it happens quicker and, than you think it does. And it, it really does. Yeah. It really does. Um and it's not necessarily just keeping vandals and people out of it like that. It's just nature in general. Well, I think that's why we're lucky that your group preserve that. I, th- I think, I, mean, I think great. we are. Um, if it was to disappear tomorrow, um, I guess in the grand scheme of things, if it disappeared tomorrow, would it be missed? To certain people, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to other people, maybe not so much. But I'm glad it's there, and I'm glad I've had a hand in, in keeping it there. It means a lot, I think. I think it does. Now, for a long time, it was a symbol on the police cars. It was a symbol on the on the, the town, village, on the yeah. village, you know, on their, mm-hmm. you know, their, uh, their little, their little shield they put on all their, their, their city trucks and stuff, and it's incorporated into it. And I, and I feel proud about that. Yeah. It's part of the identity of, of the community because the railroad is why we have Grafton. It's why we have Grafton. Yeah. It's why it's not somewhere else. So it's why it's not in Belden or it, yes, somewhere in Eaton or yeah. you know, it could have been anywhere in any um, of these areas. Because they all had little stations. Now, when you're when you're sitting waiting for the when you when you're sitting there waiting for the two mile train to go by, it might not be it might not be so much of a. Uh... <laughs> That's a little different. <laughs> I was happy when they built the overpass. Yes. <laughs> so, so there you go. But yeah, it's uh, it's that valuable part of the community. So. Yeah. Is there any other? Do you have any other specific like uh, anecdotes that you think are interesting about uh, about the rail from your experiences? The I guess the one thing I guess the one story that I can tell is when I when I when I hung up when I hung out at the tower Harold it was was Fourth of July and Fourth of July historically with the trains um, even they don't run even they don't they run they run the the stuff they they have to run the railroads um, there's there's certain priority trains and then certain extra trains. Most of the extra stuff doesn't get run on a holiday. Oh, really? Um, okay. The, the the van trains and the UPS and the mail and that kind of stuff that always runs, but some of the other stuff does. Anyway, July Fourth is, is is pretty slow at the tower, and Harold had the idea. Harold had the idea of um, dropping what's called a it's called a track torpedo, and what it is mm-hmm. is back in the days of steam and back in the early days of diesel in in territory that doesn't have signaling. Um, if the train broke down. 
the, the crew of the train was supposed to take these, these devices and they would walk back about a mile back from the train and they would strap them. It had a lead strap that was equal to about an eighth of a stick of dynamite and it activated by pressure. And what they do is they would strap it onto the rail to signify that there was danger ahead that you needed to stop another train behind you. If you were in the in the middle of the in the middle of the in the track, of course, you're stopped. Well, in order to warn the next train that may be coming up behind you, you walk back about a mile. It takes that long to stop uh, a moving train, and so they would set about three of these torpedoes down under the rail. And of course, the train would run over them. It, they would go boom, and the crew could hear it, and they said, "Uh oh, danger ahead. We need to apply the brakes mm-hmm. and come to a safe stop." Well, anyway, um, we had some of these. We had some of these track torpedoes up at at the tower. Those and we had uh, what, we, what we call road flares, they call fusees, and they're those bright red things you put down in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Harold got the bright idea of using a track torpedo, and we strapped it with some wire onto the bottom of this big long bolt that was about eight inches long, and it had a nut that was about two inches square. It was a big track bolt. And so we strapped it onto the bottom of this, and we dropped it out the window. And there was a little concrete pad down at the bottom of the, down at the, bottom of the tower. It just happened to be a little concrete pad down there. Well, if the track torpedo struck right, it went boom. <laughs> Fourth of July, hey, we got our own fireworks. <laughs> and it went boom a couple times. Well, when it didn't go boom, it went tink and nothing. It would just hit if it hit at an angle or if it didn't hit right or if it hit in the weed. So, hey, Paul, go run down, go run down, go run down there and, and find the bolt for me. <laughs> well, after I had about three trips up and down the stairs, you know, you get a little winded. Oh, yeah. And uh, so then we decided... So then we decided, hey, there was a, there was a, there was a small, there was a small shack that was underneath the tower. It was next to the tower. It was only about halfway down. And this, 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 this little shack had, I believe it had batteries and relays and it had a lot of the, it had a lot of the, the electrical gear that ran, that ran the tracks and it ran the cross, you know, it ran signals and it ran other things that probably ran the cross. And I don't know what it all ran, but. I'd never been in that tower. That was a maintenance away thing. They always have it locked up. Mm-hmm. And so it was this little concrete house with a concrete roof and tar paper. Well, we dropped the torpedo onto that roof of that, of that building and it blew a piece of the tar paper off. <laughs> Oops. Oh, well. <laughs> Oops. And so he says, well, that wasn't a good idea. He says, you better go down there and go down and go, do it down there to get the bolt. And I'm looking around, looking around, looking around for the bolt. And I can't find the bolt. And, uh, and so he said, oh, actually, we dropped one and it blew off the tarp paper and it went boom. So I ran down and got the bolt. He says, let's do that again. So we did it and it went tink again. I went, ah, crap. You know, go run down there and get it. Well, I couldn't find it. About three days later, the next time I went and visited Harold up at the tower, the track bolt is sitting on the shelf, on the desk. It went through that roof and inside that building. Oh, really? <laughs> so the maintenance awake, I found. <laughs> he found the evidence and he says, please don't do this again. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so that was that was one of those stories. Anyway, Caused some trouble, but yeah, that's okay. Some, so the, the, the things you, the things you learn when you're a teenager growing up. Oh yeah, that's what I got, I, But I got the privilege to do that, and it was it was a lot of fun. But yeah, <laughs> well, you know, actually, I did have another question for you. I was thinking, um, there used to, well, by the bridge, yes, there used to be a station or not a station, but like um, there was a pump house. The pump house. There was a pump house down there. There was a pump house. I believe there, I believe the foundations of it may still even be down there. There were some concrete foundations. What that pump house did is it pumped water up to the railroad's uh, water tank. There was a water tower, mm-hmm. and, and it sat it sat behind the tower 
Um, well, it's probably set 60 feet over from where the tower is now and probably 40 feet back from where the tower used to be. Um, the foundations of that water tower are actually still there too. Oh, really? From the water tower. And what does it pumped water up into the water tower for steam, steam locomotives? For the steam, yeah. From, right. Yeah, because I know there's some old pictures. I've, I've had people look at those pictures and think, mm -hmm. what is going on here? Because mm -hmm. it's gone. It's gone. It's and gone, yeah. But the pump, that was a pump house down there. Pump house sure. coming out of the river. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pumping water out of the river. All the way over to... All the way up to the water tower. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing not to know. Yeah, not the city's water tower, but the railroad's tower. The railroad's water right. tower, yeah, which was, which was, I mean, obviously gone too, right. but... I think I've seen pictures. Uh, I've definitely, definitely seen pictures we have in our collection mm -hmm. that you can see it. Yes. Just past, you know, yes. in the distance, past the tower. I believe it came down about 1958 or so. I think there's a picture that I've got dated somewhere on somewhere around in one of these books I've got floating around here that shows it coming down. Yeah, I think we may have a similar, yeah, like, it might, it, it might have been from a newspaper article. I think I we've so. collected from, um, but that was Doris Waldenheim had a lot ah, of yes. that stuff. So. God bless her. Oh, yes. She is missed. She is missed significantly, yes. We're in her room right now. Yes, so. we are. Oh, that also, there was, wasn't something about her father was involved with the tower. Yeah. Uh, wasn't her, his name underneath we, it? When we, that was an amazing, that was kind of a, a, an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, when we when we were moving the tower, when we were moving the tower and they, they, they got the tower back up in the air, well, what people don't, you may or may not know there is a crawl space from one level of the tower where the where you actually work the tower, and then there's a crawl space underneath where there's another there's another floor, and in that space is where all those rods and those levers. That's where the connections are. Mechanisms. And, yeah. The, there's 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 pins there's pins and holes and, and joints and stuff all across there. But when we were when we were pull, when we were putting the tower back together and dropping those rods back down. That of course didn't go anywhere, but but we wanted to put them back so it looked right. Um, I had noticed there was two names inside the in that crawl space, and one of them there was two names that were painted on on the beams in there, and one was a and one was a B Palmer, and I showed that to Doris, and Doris said B Palmer, she said that was my dad. He had been he must have been up there at one time and signed his name up there on one of the beams in paint. Because he, he worked. Because he worked for the railroad. In yeah. fact, he, he lost his life on the railroad. Yeah, tragically died right there. He uh, yeah, he sat down, I believe he sat down and and got bumped by a train and he got and he got killed that way. Mm -hmm. But and that was I believe in Wellington is where he lost his life. But yeah, um, here, but. but he was I believe he was a signal maintainer, a track maintainer. Mm -hmm. And but his name was up in the time and it's it it's still there as far as I know. One of those weird finds. Oh, it is kind of awesome. Oh my God! To see. Was, oh, that is a dirty place up there. It's all full of coal oh. smoke. It's all <laughs> full of coal soot. One thing about the railroad tower, there is absolutely no insulation in that tower at all. None. There's nothing in the windows. The, the windows are single pane. Man. The walls do not have any insulation. In them. The, the ceiling has no insulation. The crawl space has no insulation. And in the wintertime, the wind would go right, went through right through that. That would, was, that would have been brutal. It was winter, cold, especially if they were. Staffing that thing twenty four seven. There was there was a furnace up there, and <laughs> it was sat real close to where the operator sat at his desk. And within about six feet of that furnace, you were warm. Yeah. Anywhere beyond that, that, it was it was it was terrible. It's cold. like you're outside, practically. Uh, we had a bathroom up there, uh, cold water only. And in the wintertime, you just let the pipes go. You just you ran you ran the water to trickle all the time. You never turned the faucet off because always the water the water freeze. Would freeze. Yeah. Yep. Huh. I didn't know there was. Any kind of... There's just, yeah, ah. there was a bathroom up there. There's a toilet and a sink. 
Well, I mean, I suppose you need it. Yes. People are there all the time. People are there all the time. Yeah. yeah. They, they couldn't leave. You can't leave. Yeah. You, you can't leave. leave. All that stuff was handled electronically no. back in the old days. So No, it was all, all mechanical. Had, had to be a person throwing all those gigantic levers and switches. Yes. Yeah. Huh? Well, Paul, uh, thanks, for, thanks for sharing all your expertise and all the stories and knowledge about the railroad here in Grafton and all around, actually. I appreciate you coming by. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Right. And, um, don't forget to check out Paul and Chris's book about the uh, the quarries too when you get a chance. <laughs> we got it here. A little plug there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a it's a good one and it ties into the railroad, so it's a good thing to learn about. So. Thanks Thank, for having me, Fred. Thank you very much, Paul. Right. <laughs> if you enjoyed this discussion, please check out our other episodes to discover more about the history of the village and our surrounding townships. So a big thank you to our guest Paul Justy for joining us to share his knowledge of and passion for railroads and Grafton, uh, the history of both. Remember to check out Paul's and Chris Smith's book, The Lost Quarry Industry of Indian Hollow and Willow Park, Grafton, Ohio from the library for even more information and photographs about the quarries, but also uh, the railroads. For more local history content, check out the Grafton Midview Public Library's collection online at gmplibrary.org slash local history. If you have a question for us or a topic you'd like us to explore in a future episode, or if you want to participate and share yourself, please email us at postcardsfromgrafton at gmail.com. That is postcardsfromgrafton at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>